0: ask if the entire Mueller family would accompany Mr. Daniel Matthew Mueller as he makes his way to the platform. He's going to bring his family along with him today. That's a handsome rascal right there, isn't he? I've heard some say he looks like his grandpa, but it could be this other grandpa that's here today. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Well, it is a privileged opportunity. Let me pull out here in front of you guys so I can see you right there. I might be cutting off the folks on the side there, so, but that's why we have this pulpit with these angles so you can see through there. You know, I, I've been preaching a series to our church family for the latter several weeks now, traveling with the children of Israel on what's called the, uh, the Exodus journey, and then also the, now we're on the wilderness journey, but we're calling it a journey of faith. But we use a verse of Scripture where it says, These things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. And we were learning from the people of ancient Israel. Matt, you guys stand back. I can't see your mom right there, you know. Right there. there you go. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, you know, what, what we were saying is, is that God, through the people of Israel, there are things that have just been captured. They're timeless. Obviously, we, we filter them through the new covenant, through the lens of the new covenant, but they're just things that we get to enter into. The book of Romans says that we draw from the root and the fatness of the tree. And one of the things that's beautiful to behold is that the the people of Israel uh, valued children. They valued the opportunity to raise them up before the Lord and then also to dedicate them. They were actually exhorted in the scripture to bring them to the temple, to dedicate them unto God. Now, remember, there are a lot of cultures around them that they didn't see children that same way. It was a burden or it was something, you know, it was a blood that could be spilled innocently. And uh, or, and, and yet the children of Israel saw such a value. And so uh, we're, we're we're continuing that pattern through this today. We're continuing that pattern. So let, let me share with you another thought just for a second. In 2 Timothy, there's an exhortation from Paul to who has, we call his... Son in the faith, and that is Timothy, who bears the name on the epistle. And he said, Timothy, he said, the genuine faith, King James English says the unfeigned faith, the genuine faith that is in you was first in your grandmother, and then it was in your mother, and now it's in you. It's a heritage of faith. That's a powerful thing. It's something we believe in. Y'all believe in it. You wouldn't be on this platform with this family. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those in front of you that has run the race in front of you and taught you how to run it. And But there's someone that's absent in that exhortation. It's Timothy's father. And if you know anything about it, the scripture, the scripture tells us his father was a Greek. And I've often pondered about that relationship, of how that affected Timothy. How, how did, what, did it hinder Timothy? Uh, was it something he had to overcome? The scripture gives us no record of that whatsoever. But all we know is that somehow or another, the two ladies, Eunice and Lois grandmother and mother were able to they were jewish of jewish heritage they were able to pass their faith into timothy and then paul just two chapters later writes to timothy again he's continuing in the epistle and he says this and, and i think this is how how did that happen how did that faith get passed so actively to timothy without the aid of the father which is often a critical and sometimes the critical person in this whole process Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. What that says to me is is that Lois and Eunice made sure that their child was taught the Word of God. That somehow or another, without the aid of their Greek-speaking father, without Timothy's Greek-speaking father, they made sure that, that Timothy heard the Word of God and it came alive in his heart and life and, and it went on farther in that text. It said that that scripture, all scripture is given. Y'all know this. Some of you could quote it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. Now, a lot of people don't see it infant as the man of God, but people of faith do. People of faith, they don't, we don't see it at the end. We see it at the beginning and let God, come on somebody. And we speak life over them from the very beginning. And so I came to the platform today to just give matt and ashley a charge in the context of of the grandparents are here to strengthen this moment i want to take you to a passage of scripture that i think is critical i want to just sow this in your heart it's in the torah it's in the writings of moses this is the the book that jesus himself quoted from more than any other book and that's the book of deuteronomy i just believe that here today matt and ashley can teach the scriptures to daniel and directly influence his faith Do y'all believe that In a time and a culture when people are all, you know, tragically aren't valuing the word of God as maybe we once did in this United States. But you can be different. You can walk differently. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses writes, I'm going to read five verses. And that's all I'm going to drop in your heart here today. He says this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in your heart. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they will be as frontlets between your eyes. You will write them upon the post of your house and on the gates. And listen to this. And you shall teach them diligently unto thy children. When you talk of them, when you sit in the house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And if you do that, your children are going to be blessed. So I noted three things I'm going to drop in your heart to both the husband and the wife, the father and the mother, about how are you going to make sure that you can have a moment where, where Daniel becomes like Timothy. The genuine faith that was in your grandparents, was in the parent, will be in him also. How is that? It's because, number one, you two have got to continue to hide the word in your own heart you got to keep it in front of your eyes. i tell you what, I was convicted when I read that scripture because we live in a generation when most of us have this in front of our eyes too much. Amen. Amen. I should open the altar up for repentance right now, and I should be the first person there. But I was reminded that the children of Israel, God said, keep the word in front of your eyes. And, and then it's got to go from there to here. you got, you got to be diligent. you got to be purposeful about keeping the word. Because I'm telling you, the world will divert your attention so easily. Number two, how are you going to teach Daniel? You've got to be a living epistle. You can't just read it. You've got to live it. You've got to walk it. You can't just talk it. Right? You've got to hide it in your heart. And then every day, he's got to see mom and dad, dad and mom, living it out in front of him every day. So that when he goes to his gray hair, one day he'll say, I, I had a perfect example that was in front of me every day, and it was just how my parents lived their faith out in front of me. A living epistle. You have to determine to be a living epistle. Amen? And lastly, just very quickly, I love that verse of Scripture. He said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. you got to turn every opportunity into an, every situ- situation in your family you got to seize that moment to teach your children about God. You just, I'm telling you, in times of celebration, teach your children. In times of sadness, teach your children. In times of hardship, teach your children, right? Teach them about the, the wonders of this awesome God. Come on, somebody. But also warn them about the dangers of this wicked world, right? And, and the church, all we can do is help you. We can't do it for you. If we think for a moment that children's church or Sunday school is actually going to disciple your children, we'll fail miserably. It's got to start, and and, and it's got to find its success in the home. Come on, somebody. Amen? And so family devotion is the greatest way. I love that. Talk about the Word. So I'm going to say this to you. Speak the Word. Speak of the Word, right, and instruct the Word. And I believe if you do those things... Then one day, it will be said of little Daniel, the genuine faith that was in your grandparents, the genuine faith that's in the parents, that unfeigned faith, will be in him. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. And so I want to ask our church family, if you would just stretch a hand out and let's pray. We're going to dedicate this little buddy to the Lord in the presence of his family. Amen? So I'm going to anoint him with oil. We're going to let Matt, and then we're going to have Tim and Paula reach their hands over there too and put a hand on him, and we're going to pray a prayer of dedication. Come on, somebody. Come on, Sherita. You've got to come on up. Come on. Come on. Well, it's a family moment here. Let's pray a prayer of dedication. Church family, would you stretch your hand out towards us here? Father God, we're grateful. We're grateful for, Father, the love of God in Christ Jesus, and the love, Father, that Matt and Ashley have to each other, that Father, in Jesus' name, you have blessed their love through their children. And God, these children are a gift of God. And here they are with a fifth arrow in their quiver. And God, we're thankful for this today. We're thankful for little Daniel and his faith. God, we believe today that the genuine faith, genuine faith, authentic God, God will be visible God, in his life, from the earliest of years, God, he will be, Father, receptive to the things of God. He will note of the power of even of his name, Daniel, who as a young man, Father God, uh, stood strong in a, in a pagan culture, God. And, and Father, we're going to believe in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we come along beside Matt and Ashley, knowing that what we do today is just to, to just accent, if you will, just to undergird or support what they do. Lord, we today, we dedicate, Father, our little buddy to the Lord. God, we pray over him today that you might bless him and keep him, that your face might shine upon him and that you might give him peace. Lord, we pray that you'll bless him coming in and going out. He'll be blessed in the storehouse filled in the basket as he grows. He'll be above and not beneath the head, not the tail, God, because of the grace of God that's upon him. And we believe, Father, for genuine faith, unfeigned faith to be in his heart and life, from the earliest of days in christ's name we pray amen and amen and amen and all god's people said come on somebody amen and amen obviously i'm very proud of this family here that's okay that they're important things i want to mention before we receive sunday mornings tithes and offerings and then matt is going to minister the word here today and so number one this wednesday night i forgot to tell you last sunday but i told you a week before we are going to have it's part of our wednesday night service a business meeting where members are going to vote on that um, change to the constitution bylaws that you received several months ago. If you have any questions, contact me this week, and I'll make sure you, I can answer any question. I'll answer any questions that night. But I'm going to add some additional things to it about things for our church to pray and be considered to consider on Wednesday night. So you come out. Make sure that you come out. It's an important part of what we do at times. We don't do it often, but when we do, it's very necessary. All right, come on, somebody. Amen. All right, number two, real quickly. Just it kind of came to us uh, fast, but. Last week I told you about that. There's the bin that typically holds the food for the food pantry for this week until next Sunday. We're using it because there in the foyer table is a piece of paper. I'm talking with my hands here today, Um, that talks about for the the prison, the North Central Prison Unit, where a couple members of our church travel weekly and minister. They have an annual Christmas outreach that includes socks and little foods and such. They're on the on the on that piece of paper. We got one week left because next Sunday is the last day we can have to get them there because they'll take them that following Monday. Take one of those pieces of paper with you. Take a picture of it, whatever you need to do. If you're doing your shopping, you don't have to buy everything. You can buy one item on that list. But bring them back over the next few few days by Sunday, no later than Sunday, and then we will get them to the the prison and, and be a blessing to them. Amen? Also, just a reminder, each year we've done the angel tree for the, uh, for the nursing home. That will be going up this week, so be prepared. That's a great way for our church family to be a blessing to some folks going through uh, just challenging times. Amen? So we'll be out at the Southridge Nursing Home from there. And then two quick other announcements. There's going to be a dinner fellowship here at the church two Sundays from today. That's our Christmas gathering that we're going to have. We'll have sign-up sheets next week. I don't have them for you this week. And then on the 22nd, it's probably in the bulletin, just so you'll know, it's going to be the candlelight service on a Friday night. Don't forget that. Just put it in the back of your your mind right now. And the last thing I'm going to put out here is real quickly is there's still time. Ladies, if you're interested in participating in the Women's Bible Study, that's going to begin this week at 6.30 p.m. Sister Alicia is here today, and she can answer your questions. So if you've got any questions, you'd like to participate with her, uh, then there's still time. So see her today. Amen? Won't y'all stand up with me today? What an honor it is to worship God, to bring our thanksgiving of praise to the Lord's house today. There's a beautiful spirit of praise in this room. Amen. I'm grateful for whatever God gives me to be able to give, whether it be the fruit of my lips to give him thanks or resources that I give in his name. So I want to ask you if you've got your offering in your hand or if you give online, that's the way a lot of people do. There's a secure container in the front. Uh, the church or excuse me in the foyer you can use that as well but we like the altar we like the basket that sits on the altar and uh, we bring it forward and present it to the lord so let's pray father i love you today i'm thankful to be in god's house thankful to be here with men and women of like precious faith thankful to be able to worship thankful to be able to honor you god in the life that you've given father and so we thank you lord for all things we're going to pray father as men and women give they give in faith That God, whether people give of abundance or whether they give of need, I pray that they give in faith, God. And your blessing will be upon them. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen and Amen. If you would, Lori, back there, there's a visitor card. There should be a visitor card in the seat in front of you. It looks like that. It's called a connection card. If you'd fill it out, there's a connect table in the foyer. We do love to have a record of your visit with us. So if you're new to our fellowship, if you've never filled out one of those, we encourage you to do so today. So I've made enough announcements already. Um, It was timing this just right, having uh, Matt and Ashley come down for the baby dedication catching it in a moment when Matt's parents, who are from Minnesota, Wisconsin-slash-Minnesota, um, right? Kind of, somehow, in a roundabout way? And, um, but to catch them in the area, to see them for the holidays, uh, to see their, their, their grandchildren, and then they saw Matt and Ashley, I guess, that's typically the grandkids that the grandparents are after. Um, yes, and so I heard a few amens out there. Um, but to, have, to catch them and, and to be here to be a part of that was a unique moment. We didn't want to miss that to be able to dedicate our little buddy. And then also, um, Matt was in the area here today to have him share the Word of God. And so Matt is a graduate of Southeastern, Bible School, Bible, or Southeastern University of the Assemblies of God in Lakeland, Florida. And he's preached a lot, not preached as much here lately. But deep inside you, Matt, is a preacher. Let him out today. Come on, somebody. Let him out today. Amen? Let him out. So once not you come on to the, to the pulpit, and we're welcoming Matt, and we're going to let him have his liberty. Amen? We're going to let him have his liberty. Let him minister the word. He'll lead the altar service however he feels led. We appreciate each one of you being out today. We'll just let God have his way. Amen? Amen. I'm Matt I love you. I, love you I was just telling my dad, I don't
1: ever want to preach, or I don't ever want to approach preaching casually. Um, It's been a minute, so I've got eight sermons today. (laughs) I've got, I sat down to prepare and just like, you know, all these things that the Lord's been teaching and it's very fitting. I want to talk today about being planted in process and uh, it's, we've been through a process. I'm going to try not to get emotional, but it's a, there's a lot that I have to be thankful for today, um, that we all have to be thankful for and how many of you know that, um, that You always have those things to be thankful for, but you don't always have a right perspective. And you don't always recognize the things in your life that you have. And so process often will help you to see more clearly those things that God has blessed you with. I I got caught off guard a little bit. You know, Jojo kind of joked about a famous preacher. And uh, I'll share this with you because it's a little bit of a segue into what we're going to talk about, but also because I feel like it'll bless some. But uh, there was a time in ministry, um, a time and not so long ago, even where I would say that one of my greater aspirations was to achieve some level of notoriety in ministry and in preaching. Um, I don't think that's uncommon when you're young and when you're ambitious to want to achieve some level of what culture would call success. Is that fair? Um, so I don't fault myself for having those ambitions, but I would say that through process and through teaching, um, That the aspiration now is to be famous in my home. Um, I think that we oftentimes, in pursuit of caring for those we love, sometimes miss the mark and overlook those we love trying to provide for them and and trying to care for them. And I remember I was with the Lord and we were talking, and He really confronted this thing in my heart about wanting to be known and and wanting to have some kind of a platform. Um, We've been, I don't like saying, out of ministry. I think that you are ministry when you're in Christ. But we've been out of maybe vocational or platform ministry for maybe three years and done some preaching in there. And I I was talking with the Lord and he confronted me and said, Would you would you because the desire of a of a pastor is discipleship. It's it's the people, it's to see see you walking with Jesus. It's we want you to know him like we know him, and, and then some and the Lord just confronted me and he said, Matt, if I if I brought you sons if there's no pulpit, if there's no whatever, if I, if I bring you sons, can you be content? And I said, I said, I didn't even realize in that moment it was still in me. You ever have those moments? The Lord addresses something you didn't even think you were dealing with anymore. And, you know, we'd been, I, I build homes now and I inspect them. And um, I said, yeah, Lord, I'll put it down. And, and he just responded to you. And he's like, I've sent you three and two daughters. And so the reason I share this is one is I think somebody needs to hear that today, that you are responsible to steward what God has already given you. And, and you have children and grandchildren who it's so much harder to lead and disciple when people get older, but there's a season in your kids' lives and your grandkids' lives where they will hang on every word you say, where they will listen and it, and it carries weight and they still believe that you know it all. And so that time, and my parents will attest, is quickly fading. <laughs> it moves on. And then we circle back. That's right. We circle back. I, I still remember being in college, and I don't know if they remember this, and I remember calling and saying, I'm sorry. Um, I should have listened a little better. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I don't want to get all emotional today unless the Lord wants it. But I do want to talk about the purpose in our process and the difference in those who remain planted in that process as opposed to those who are not. Um, one of my life scriptures, and we'll, we'll read it shortly, is just Psalm 1, and um, I'm just concerned that even in the church, and my generation, on I'm a millennial, but I like to think I'm the good kind. There's, <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a line somewhere in there where something changed. I like to think that I missed it, and I, I stayed on the, on the better side of things, and uh, that's when I realized, too, that I was becoming one of the old people that just looks at the next generation and, oh, you get it right, you know, you and your rock and roll, um, but I am concerned that we've allowed ourselves in culture today to be convinced that we can manufacture or manipulate the fruit in our lives outside of process. And what we have, it's a little bit ironic because culture and the government is even doing this now. We have, even in the church, genetically modified fruit. And it's lacking in nutrients. It's lacking in favor. It has a form of godliness without power. And so process matters. How many of you are thankful for process? It took me some time. We were, Ash and I were discussing this a few weeks ago. And, and we were just talking about how different we are even from three years ago and five years ago. And we've been through some stuff. How many of y'all have been through something? Right. And it's real to you. And I remember the conversation. I said, you know what, though? I'm so thankful. Amen. I'm not a couple what's going on this morning. <laughs> but I am. I'm thankful. And I, I really pray. And we're going to pray together in a minute. But I really pray that just the Lord's heart would be communicated today. And I'm telling you, I came to encourage you. There was a time when maybe I would come and I felt like I had to bring this heavy word of you know, get things right and, and, and get on path and all that stuff. And today I just want to encourage you and I pray that God's heart would be felt about the purpose in your process and how to remain planted in that process and that there's value in the pain that you experience and there's value in what, you, what you're going through and you don't have to pay tribute to your trauma, but you can confront it with testimony. And that trauma has to bow to your testimony, to the testimony of Jesus, and you're going to learn how to prophesy over the things that you've dealt with and prophesy over your situations in life, and you're going to shift, I believe, by just faith today, that we're going to have a different lens we look through when it comes to the processes and the suffering and the trials that we go through in life, and that at the end of it, we truly will learn to rejoice and celebrate what life throws at us. Can we stand together real quick? I just want to read Psalm 1, and then I want to pray. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Before we can get into this day, we need to redefine a little bit what it means to prosper and what it means to bear fruit. And I think too often those things are equated to either finances or materials or a position. And I want to tell you today that being planted doesn't always look like a place or a position, but it's more of a posture. And you'll have to excuse all the alliteration today. My mom was an English teacher, so we're going to get into it. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we love you. I pray that everything that comes out today, that we would receive it with humility. God, that our hearts would be tender, that we would be teachable. I pray that I would not be in the way today, but God, that your word would flow freely with anointing, with power, with grace, that freedom would be experienced here, that excitement would be released in this room, that we would go into the day with great expectation, with great trust. And Father, that we can say, we know you better now than we did yesterday. That we would be one as you are one, Father. I pray your presence. And I ask God that you would just give me the words that I would say what needs to be said and move away from those things that don't matter. Amen. It wasn't too long ago that we were pastoring our church plant in El Dorado, which we resigned. And I, I joke with Ashley, and if you're from there, I'm sorry, but I joke. I say, you know, sometimes the only thing that would have been worse than having to resign that church would have been still being there. Um, <laughs> we enjoyed our time. We we saw God do a lot of things. I don't know if you've been to El Dorado. There's just you're kind of two hours from anything. Um, it was a little different, but it was such a a good time of learning. It was a process season for us where we went through a lot of loss, we went through a lot of struggle, and it was just such a time of perspective shifting, and I remember when we planted the church, I don't know if you all know this, when you plant a church, it doesn't pay you very well, and so, like nothing. So, in fact, there I say, it costs you everything. And I took a job as a a commercial residential superintendent, and I was like, oh, this will be short term. Right, right, I'll, I'll do this until the church takes off and then I'll be able to move. And I, I remember seasons and, and, and windows of time there where I just would go to the Lord and, and just tell him, why do I have to do this? Like I came here for you, I came here for ministry. I, this feels like it's in the way, if I can be honest with you, there were times where I felt, God, this is a lesser calling. And, and I just would have that conversation with him and, because when you, you just wanna go all in. Now I understand it's not a lesser calling. Listen, I had to learn. I had to learn that it's not lesser, it's different. And I had to begin to see and value what was in those seasons and those times. And so I really figured it all out. And after three years, we resigned and I took a new job as a commercial and residential superintendent. (laughs) And we moved to Benton and, and it was a time in our life where we had been through a lot and we didn't have a lot, but it was to this day one of my favorite seasons of my life. Here we go. I remember door dashing on weekends, putting the kids in both cars and saying, all right, let's see if mom and dad can make more today. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Because we've got to buy groceries this week. You know, we just, we, we did what we had to do and, and we leaned in, but there was such, um, and I share this story because this is my testimony. And, and this to me is part of what gives me authority today. When I talk to you about the fruit of remaining planted in your process, we are far from those days now, and the Lord has done an incredible thing, but I, I, I look back and I appreciate, because I, I don't know that we value what's added to us until we've gone without it. It just was something that, that I needed personally, that we needed in our home, and God had, was so faithful, and, and I just think as you look through Scripture, and if you talk to anyone in this room who's walked with God for any, any measure of time, the testimony that comes out of that walk is he's, he's faithful. He's good. He's good. He's going to come through. And I believe that part of the intention of process is establishing and convincing us of that in our hearts so that our instinct shifts when trials come and our instinct changes when difficulties arrive. And uh, it's funny how the Lord has used this and transitioned. And so we're struggling. I'm like, i got to do something. I've got to figure something out. And so I saw an ad on Facebook, Become a Home Inspector. And we just were... You ever been in a moment where you're just desperate? And, and you're just are like, I'll try anything, you know? And I, I think that those are such good moments. And for those of us who are stubborn and a little bit hard-headed, sometimes God's got to put us there. I call it the Holy Ghost crowbar. Like sometimes he's just got to posture us in such a place when, when we're just being obstinate and just wedge us out from where we are and, and help bring us into what he intended for us in the first place. I think about Joseph, and, and I often wonder in those scenarios, You know, he, he's walking around and he probably wasn't using a lot of discretion. We see he's sharing all of his dreams and sharing all of his ambitions, and this is what God's going to do. And, and so I think we can get in the habit of overanalyzing the why behind the season we're in and, and what put us there. And I, I want us to kind of get as we go through this today that it really isn't about what put us there. Because in truth, sometimes we're there because of what was done to us. Sometimes we're there because of our own actions. And sometimes it's just life. But the fruit of that is what is God doing in this season? What is he requiring of me? And how can I be faithful? How can I be planted in this process? Because when I read that scripture about planted by streams, I, I, we all know Jesus is the, right? he is the source. He is where we are anchored. But I want to encourage you that there's also other streams, there are other streams that God has placed in your life. There is family. There is church. There is pastoral ministry. These are all streams that help us remain rooted and, rooted and planted. And so fast forward, I'm, I'm not doing home inspections and I've wrestled through the, you know, Lord, are you as happy with this as you were with that? Come on, I'm not the only one. It's not just when you it's you you make decisions in life or you feel that life has forced you into something. You don't feel like you maybe chose it and you're asking the Lord, Are you as pleased with this as you were with that? I don't feel like I really chose. I don't even know if I was really led into this, but I needed something and you provided it. Is this is this you or did I did I lose faith or was I acting in faith? Nobody argue with yourself. So this landed me in a CE class called History of Homes and that's where I'm going to integrate a little bit of what God has added to my tool belt in the sermon today because I think it's such a good parallel I was sitting in um, my continuing education class a few weeks ago and he brought out and we've got a picture of it I believe hopefully it went through but you've heard it said they're just not built like they used to you've heard this and so he began to go in and talk about you know yeah you're with me we began to talk about the difference just in the lumber. You know that as far as materials, some of the best houses ever built are actually not the new ones. They're mid-60s to mid-70s because of the quality of the materials that went into them. We got some mid... No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I brought this picture because you can see the difference in the development of these two pieces of lumber. And the thing that he said that really quickened in my spirit, there's a word in this, He said, this is how the tree grows when God plants it. This is how the tree grows when it grows the way that God intended for it to grow. And some of y'all are going to follow me, and if you don't, it's okay. We're going to get there. But I began to look at this, and I just began to see so many parallels about God's process versus what culture or society would try to convince us is necessary to prosper, to harvest, to be used, to be built. And what the difference between these two pieces of lumber, you can see it visually, right? First thing you notice is how many rings are on that bottom piece. It's even dimensionally, it's larger. It's stronger. They call it old growth. So old growth has more rings. That space between the rings is called the pulp. And what happens when trees are allowed to grow where they were established, where God placed them, is that they develop their own resistance to weather. Do you hear what I'm saying? They, they have endured enough wind and rain that when it comes, their root system is sufficient. They actually develop. See, when we harvest it too quickly, we have to add chemicals. We have to pressurize it, put things into it. That if left to grow the way God intended in a forest instead of a farm, the tree will actually develop these chemicals on its own that resist termites, that resist pests, that resist weathering. And what happens is the core of that tree gets what's called heartwood, and it is the strongest, most dense part of that tree, and it has, guess what? longevity and I want to encourage you because as I prayed into this today I I saw some of your faces in prayer and I want to encourage you that you have seen so many that have moved on so many that are being used so many that are going into homes see that's I can just picture this tree and it may sound silly to you but I picture just this oak in the forest and the trees around it are being harvested and they're going in and they're being purposed and they're being utilized and this tree just wondering why am I still here why, do, why is there not value that's being seen in me? I have something to offer. And we've got to get to a place where we recognize the Lord is so faithful. He's, it is his mercy and his grace that has allowed us, allowed us to remain planted. Old growth is grown in a forest, not a farm. and It's classified by being 50 years or older. Any old growth in here today? All right. You've been there. I'm not there, but I'm a little older than new growth. (laughs) New growth is considered to reach maturity and is harvested between 10 and 20 years. Because the goal is not strength or longevity. It's to be harvested as quickly as possible. And when things are taken out of season, when they're done prematurely, and they're not given time to grow and to mature, there are consequences. You get a smaller, weaker, less mature tree that is more susceptible to rot susceptible to pests and in fact like I said they have to have those chemicals added just to remain I don't know if you've ever seen a piece of wood just ate out by termites but that pulp that big space between the rings it's the rings that gets left it's that area but it's the underdeveloped areas of that lumber that is the first to go And so when you allow true growth, you don't even have to treat that lumber. I was I was talking on the way here, what's so cool to me. I've never thought I'd get excited about lumber before. (laughs) But you get in, you get it's when it's what you do. But it's so cool to me because I just my heart and my desire is that I would be established. Even when the weather changes and temperature shifts, that developed mature tree does not expand or contract. What does that sound like? It's not moved. It's not swayed. It's not double-minded. It's established and rooted. And I desire that I would be that in whatever context and season that God has me in. And how many of you know that your season does not always reflect the calling on your life, but it can always refine your character? You don't. when you get into process, it's difficult because it's, everybody wants to judge the process without being the maker of the product. Every time, Without fail, if I'm building a custom home, there's, there's certain steps of the process that I know they're going to come in and they're going to be scared. The first one is you pour the concrete and a crack shows up. Is this supposed to happen? And is this supposed to be there? And I'm like, yes, it is. It, that's what's going to happen. And, and then you're starting to put things up, and you haven't leveled it out or squared it. And it's, well, is this going to be fixed? Are we going to move this? Is this cabinet going to? Are you going to paint this? I'm like, we haven't even started painting yet. You know, so you get into this routine, and people get so concerned because they're criticizing a process, but they don't understand what you're building. And if they would be patient, and they would step back and trust that process, They would appreciate that product. It's easy to stand at the finish line and cheer when people cross it. It is a long day to watch people run. And those who criticize that run, they've not run it themselves. And I want to encourage you today that there are those who have criticized, there are those who have not understood, they have looked at your process, they have seen you in what seems like a season of stagnation and stillness, but they are going to see and it is going to become a testimony to what God has established in you when you cross your finish line. I'm telling you, there's not a person in this room. Here's what I love. You don't get to just kind of arrive and move on. There is is a, a refiring and a reestablishing that will continue to happen. You never escape process. And so there is no, I, that's what I love. A mature tree, old growth, 50 years is when it's hitting its prime. I want to encourage some of you today. I'm only 34. I'm getting up there. But I want to encourage you. Like your, your race has not been run. You are not finished. You have remained planted. You have remained in process. And you are going to see the fruit established in your life that God has been developing. I want to tell you that the world and culture, even with good intentions, they're going to offer you a way out. They'll offer you a counterfeit, and they will try to accomplish temporarily what God would establish for eternity in your hearts if you're willing to be planted, if you're willing to endure process. And I think what has really happened is that we've not rejoiced in God's process because we feel entitled to his promises. We don't get what we wanted, and then we get stuck in the fence. And I want to tell you that the promises of God are yes and amen. They're yes, but they also require agreement, that the promise of God is appropriated in your life by faith. And where is faith developed and strengthened? It's in process. It's in process. And so I want to tell you that God has not forgotten you today. Your destiny has not outrun you. You've not missed the mark. You're not lazy. You are just in process and you are waiting. And if you will be planted and if you will be diligent and you will wait on the Lord, That's right. you will be fruitful in your season. That's right. Do not be discouraged in lack. Come on. That's right. Do not be discouraged when you are without and you're not seeing what God has for you. It's coming. I'm telling you, I remember days. I remember, I I almost miss, I almost miss it, some of the desperation that I carried in some of those seasons because I remember my prayers were different. Pursuing the Lord, God, if you don't, if you don't show up, if you don't do this, if you don't bring this in, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I trust you. And you get to make that choice every day. I trust you today. You're going to bring it in. I trust this process. Lord, what are you doing in me? What have I not gotten yet that you need me to have to inherit what you've you've got for me? You understand? It's, again, grace. The process is I need to establish in you what will give you the strength to carry what I'm going to place on you. That your foundation has to be secure. That when the storms come, when the wind comes, that you will remain stable. That you will not... listen. There is a reason that we have to go through process. You can't avoid process. It's healthy and it's right. Can you endure knowing the reward of your suffering is the surpassing value of knowing him? Come on, that's the prize. It's not about what can I achieve and what can I accomplish during this time. What, what can I strive for? I've been learning a lot about the difference between receiving out of striving and receiving out of inheritance. That there are things that the Father has for me that I'll receive simply by remaining planted, that even if I accomplished in my own strength would not remain. They won't stand the test of time. I'm telling you, I inspect these houses. I see what happens when you build with lesser materials, I see what happens when things aren't allowed to mature. And come to strength. I just want to tell you today, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And then next time, it's going to be worth it again because you know him better today than you did yesterday. And that's what I really want to bring us to today is the fruit and the purpose and the why behind process. We've got to shift that perspective. Challenges Challenges and suffering do not get to take you out. They only get to provoke hope. That's what the word says. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You understand that the greatest challenge in your life doesn't take you out. It only gets to bring you closer to him. I've heard it said that Satan has become a glorified sheepdog. And as long as you keep him in his place and you remain planted, the only thing he's allowed to do is drive you into greater intimacy, dependency, and trust in the Father. That's all he gets to do. He doesn't understand this. So what process really does for us is it reveals more of him. Why does it produce hope? Because when we're planted and suffering comes... We've learned that he's going to be faithful. I can begin to rejoice because now instead of what am I going to do, it's who am I going to be. It's, it's what part of me is going to look more like you when we're done. And that's my greatest pleasure in life is that I would know him and be made more like him. And I enjoy, I, I enjoy this process because there are things and facets of his nature and his character that I cannot understand outside of enduring these things. And if the process is the price tag to being conformed to that likeness, then I'll embrace it. I'll consider it all a loss compared to the value of knowing Him. I think about men throughout Scripture. Just think about this. We think about that moment. I want you to take a second because my what we tend to do as people is we get very cynical and we look in the rear view of our lives. And we've erected altars on those areas where we have failed or where we felt that God has let us down or where people have wounded. And I want to encourage you. I believe the Lord's supernaturally that he's going to begin to change the lens you're looking through. So you begin to look at those moments and you rebuild that altar on how God came through and who God was to you and the things that shifted in your life and those who were impacted because they got to see you. Listen, I've, I'm a big believer in transparency because you're going to see me in the valley, but you're going to see me come out of it. And it's going to be a testimony to you. And I, I, we include our kids in our process and in our low seasons and our low places. Because we want them to see, like, guys, this is worth it. Amen. He's going to do what he said he would do. He's coming through. It's just a matter of time. And, in, and while we wait, we rejoice because he is building perseverance. Because he is establishing his character in us. And the fruit that we will begin to bear through the process is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of remaining planted. Not position, not gifting. Gifting is not a metric in the kingdom for maturity. Fruit is. I don't care how gifted you are if there's no fruit. And I'm thankful, and I've asked the Lord in my own prayer, and I encourage you to say, I said, Lord, don't ever let my gifting take me where my character can't sustain me. I don't want to get to a place in life from, from talent or from striving or manipulation. Do you understand? When, you, when, when God places something in your heart or he gives you a prophetic word, I was sharing this morning more too. One, it's not an endorsement on your current lifestyle. In fact, it, quite the opposite. To me, it's an invitation out of it. This is what I see in you. This is what I've called you to. And so you need to see this because that thing can't go with you. And so we lean in and we trust and we begin to see things take shape in our hearts. We begin to look more like Him. We see priorities become realigned. Matthew 6 33 says, Seek first my kingdom. I want to challenge you today that seeking first the kingdom is not just talking about a devotional life, but it's talking about right priorities in your home. What is kingdom? It's family. We begin to see such a radical shift when we just began to, we had this moment where the Lord, we knew we were about to enter into a new season, we knew there was process, and we, we looked, we said, something's not working, and we need to change this. And we began to realign, and we began to come into agreement and say, okay, this is the value of kingdom. These are the things that matter to God. What part of our life does not reflect those values? What part of our life is necessary right now but needs to begin to transition into something different so that we can resurrect those priorities in our home? And and what that's done is that's how we got here is we began to say, I need to be home more. What can I do? What job can I get? We need to be able to educate our kids together. All these things, and we began this process. But what has allowed our process to bear fruit is that in it we were planted. We've not run away from the church because we were hurt. We've not been submitted to authority. Right. Yeah. We've not blamed God for what people did. And I won't go into it, but I'm telling you, people did some stuff. But he was faithful. And I just, I think of those moments. in so often we try to relate to people in preaching by saying like, oh, he was fearful, he was intimidated, he was, you know, oh, Moses in front of the Red Sea and everybody's coming and and there's times in Scripture where it tells us that emotions were felt, but I really believe that these men of God in that moment, I just can't picture them, he said, but I know who you are. Right. And I just, I think part of what was in Moses' heart in the Red Sea and and part of what was in Abraham's heart when he was on the mountain and, and part of... Uh, what was in these in David's heart before Goliath was honestly this desire of, I want this to show them who you are. I want them to know you as I know you. I want this to establish trust. I want this to establish faith. God, I, I want them to be able to walk before anything with confidence because you've proven yourself. Because we've chosen you. And what happens is we become... Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And I want to encourage you that there's a greater gift than clarity. There's a greater gift than having the answers, and it's called trust. That what's developed in process is a confidence and a knowing this is who my father is. Not just, I know what the word says. That was my, I began to pray those things. God, I know what this says. I want to believe it. I want to be convinced of it. I don't want to just recite it. I don't want to just encourage other people in it. I want to see it. I want to walk in it. And I think that we've, we've kind of lost in the church today this desire to pray dangerous prayers that say I'm willing to go through whatever as long as the fruit is there. I'm willing to endure if it reveals who you are to me. It's my greatest desire that I would know him, be known by him, and I'd be made into his likeness. That he would be glorified in my life. I want to, i like to just pray over all of you today. If you'll stand with me. I don't know how long that was, but we're okay. Can we get a piano? We can do it? Okay, we're going to do that instead. I do, I miss... I miss getting hands on people and the altars. And I, I miss, you know, I get my hands on my kids now. But uh, but what I do want to, want to exercise today is this opportunity to shift our thinking, this opportunity to rejoice, to crush discouragement in your life, because that's really the fruit of becoming unplanted or uprooted, would be a better word, is discouragement insecurity, hurt, isolation, so many things. And and what happens is you become I don't want to preach another sermon here, but I'm telling you this whole thing. That's where the world comes in and says, you don't need growth and you don't need process. I have something for you. I have something for you to take. I have a purpose for you. Come on. How many have strayed from the call of God in their life because the world says, I'll put you in quicker? I've got a position for you. And so we've got to mature to that place where, God, I trust you. Yeah. And if the call of my life right now is to remain so that 50 years from now I can walk in the fullness of what you've established in me, the answer is yes. Yeah, and so if you're in the room today, and you can go ahead and start, I don't know if that's ready, but if you're here this morning and you've been in process And it's like, it's kicking your tail. And you're struggling to have a biblical lens on things. First, I want to tell you there's no shame or condemnation for you today. Because every one of us in this room has had moments in process where we're thriving and moments where we struggle. And that's where you have the church. And so that even those moments when... Come on, let's let's be real each other. There's moments where I I know the Lord is my source and I know that he's the one that restores and I know that he is my strength. I know all these things. But there are still times and seasons where I get in that prayer closet, I get in that word, and it's never unfruitful. But there are times when just a brother or sister, my wife, my parents, I, I don't have sisters come along, don't hear me wrong. But you need a brother or a sister to come alongside you. And just as Moses, and lift the arms while you're in the midst of things. And here's what's great is is we discount the value of when you bring people into that situation, they get to share in your victory. They get to be a part of what God did in you. So if you're in that season and you just are like, man, Lord, I, I want to have joy. I'm telling you, there's a shift that will take place in your heart where you will truly rejoice in your sufferings because you know that it's producing hope. Because you know that it's making you like Jesus. I want to pray for you this morning. Go ahead and come up if that's you're just, man, I've been struggling in the process. Two things today. You're struggling in the process or you've had fear or hesitation in saying yes to what you know God is speaking to you because you know it will require process. How many of you know that sometimes we hold back because we know what saying yes will do? You know the cost. We're just going to play, and I'm going to come. Ashley, will you come with me too, please? I'm going to flip this off so we don't need to be loud, right?
0: Our Pentecostal fellowship has been built on people having the courage to step out. The word's been sown. Step out in faith. Sometimes you step out, even if it's not that somebody praying for you is really the issue, sometimes you just got to step forward and say, God, I I, I connect to that word that you sowed in my heart, that you've sown in my heart, God, and and I just want to stand. A tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree planted, sometimes you just stand, you just come forward and just say, God, that word, that message, that exhortation, it was for me and God, I'm in a process right now and my fruit's not, it's not everything it should be just yet. My, my, my leaf has withered some, but I want to come today and reaffirm. I want to see my root go downward so that fruit can go upward. And so God, today, let that be the moment, let the house of God, let it be the house of the Lord today for you. For you today, just to pray, just to seek the Lord. You know, it's one thing to be prayed for, it's another thing to pray. You know, I feel the Lord's presence in here today to pray for people, but also to just, I, I'm mature enough in my faith, I'll let you pray. Sometimes we become dependent upon someone else to pray for us, and God wants us to call upon the name of the Lord. So I want to encourage you. This house is a house of prayer. These altars are open. Take that step of faith and just come forward and just seek the Lord for just a little while. I'm believing God to do something in our church. I want, I want the end of this year to be just his presence, his real and authentic. I use the word unfeigned, genuine, his genuine work of grace in our heart and life today. So we're grateful today. If you don't come to the front and you just and you want to make you know, a, a, your seat at the altar, make a seat. If you have to leave, let me say this. Be dismissed gracefully, reverently to the people that are praying here today. If you have to be dismissed, God bless you. We understand. we like to come together and close in prayer as a group, but that's okay. If we miss you, God bless you and thank you for being here. But let's pray for one another. Just pray right where, right where you are for somebody that's at the front here today.